gift God has given Calvary. Come on. Amen. And this couple, what an anointing on their lives. What a joy. Um, you guys have, um, you've been through a pretty significant battle in your lives in the last few years. I don't know what has gone on, but at times, pastor. In fact, this is what I felt like the Lord said to me during worship. I felt like the Lord said to me, he lost his confidence because he thought he didn't hear from you. He felt like you moved, made a, made a transition that everything, I mean, all hell broke loose is the way I want to say it. And, and it robbed your confidence because you began to say, God, did I miss it somewhere? And God wants you to know you did not miss it. You were in his alignment and what you went through made you. The scripture says in Romans that the, I reckon that the suffering of this present moment are not even a worthy comparison to the glory that shall be revealed. You don't understand, but there's glory coming out of both of you. And God is letting you know today that what you went through was of him because he was doing something in you so that he can release glory in this season of your lives. Amen. I see that all over you. And I don't know if you guys are writing songs and music, but you will be. You're coming into a whole new season, so get ready because in the middle of the night, you're going to keep a pen and pad next to your bed because you're going to wake up and it's going to come flowing out of you guys. Amen. And you're in the right place now. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Does that witness with you? Okay. Come on. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are we okay, Pastor? I'm submitted to you. Are we all right? Okay. Praise the Lord. What, a, what an honor it is to be back with you. Can I be family for a minute? Yes, Amen. That's great to see your, your district youth directors in the house. And I want to thank you guys for what you do. Uh, Josh, I want to talk to you about endurance because you didn't look quite as good in that picture as your wife did. <laughs> how, how, how many? Come on. How, how many know he needs to lead his house better? I mean, you know, come on. <laughs> no, but I, I, want to say, I want to say thank you for all you do. Uh, not just personally for my life. Both of my daughters were baptized in the Holy Ghost, man, at summer camp. All right. But across America, statistically, 80 percent of the pastors preaching in pulpits across America today, 80 percent, eight out of 10 receive their call in summer camp. Come on. Amen. And so it's really important for us to support summer camp, get our kids there. And if our kids are grown, pay for other kids to get there. Come on. Amen. Amen. So that they can be in an environment where God can do what he wants to do among them. So thanks, guys. Good to see you today. Uh, it is a joy to be here. My name is Dwayne. If you haven't had the chance to meet me before, uh, it is a joy to be kind of uh, ex- accepted into the family by some of you. Anyway, I'm kind of part of the family for a little while. And it's always a joy. My wife is not with me. And uh, Jana does send her greeting. She is absolutely the best part of me for sure. Gary and Barbara had a tremendous time with pastors last night at dinner, and uh, they have impacted my life and my wife's life more than you may ever know. I'm deeply indebted to the pastors of this house uh, for their obedience in the kingdom. Uh, Michael and Melissa, dear friends as well, and I'm watching their sons grow up and keep growing. Come on. Amen. Uh, what a joy it is to see uh, Tanner and Riley and what God is doing. So I'm going to be in John chapter 4 today, uh, and, and I really want what I would like to call an interruptible agenda. I've got notes on the page, but how many know we just want to be in line, alignment with what God wants to do? Amen. Come on. Amen. How many, how many would say there's more? How many would really say in your heart there's more? Right? There, there, how many would say, I mean, there's, there must be more than this? 
Yeah, I know my name's written in heaven. No, no, I'm talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about there's more now. Amen. So can I can I talk? I'm going to talk to you out of my heart. Please don't misjudge a statement I make today. If you don't know me, I love the church. The church is a glorious mess. Come on. The church is a glorious mess. And I love the church. And I look at the state of the church. I I believe, according to Scripture, there's only one church. There's a lot of people meeting today across Corsicana, across Texas, right? Many pastors have illustrations on hell today because all they have to do is look outside, uh, right? Come on, in Texas right now. Come on, are you with me? Uh, But all over this nation and all over this world, men and women are gathering by the millions. But there's only one church. There's only one king. His name is Jesus. And we are members of his kingdom. Come on. Come on. Amen. And, and I look at the state of the church in America. So I want to tell you where I'm coming from. Um, we have more churches. We have larger churches. And we have the best preaching, arguably, in the world, in America. But the state of the church in America is in disarray. How do I know that? Because America is in disarray. And as goes the church, so goes the nation. How many would agree with that? How many would say, yeah, yeah, right? I, I, I say, I look at this and, and my heart breaks. Now, I'm not discouraged because it's our finest hour. Come on. Some of you, I, I don't know what's going on with the Ratcliffe family, but I felt the burden. I felt your prayers for them and your, your passion and your burden for them. But it's not a time to be discouraged. It's a time to be excited because God is in the middle of the store. Come on. God is in the middle of all of this and he even works our mistakes for his good pleasure. Come on. Is somebody with me? Right. And so I want to talk to you about the church today because I have such a burden to see the church be all it's supposed to be. Because the White House is not the answer to America. I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. Both of them are messed up. Come on. Well, what are you? I'm a Christian. And I, and, I, and I believe God sets up leaders and sets down leaders. But my hope is not determined by who's in the White House. My hope is not determined by the stock market. My hope is not determined, come on, by how well I'm doing. My hope is in nothing less but than Jesus Christ. And, and that's an eternal hope that never changes no matter what's going on. Amen? But I believe we have, in America, settled into a church culture that's not biblical. Can we just, can I go there? Can, can we just talk about that just for a little bit today? And I want to read out of John 4. Uh, I want to read the story. So I'm going to take a moment to read uh, a number of verses because I want us to look at the story of, of Jesus and the woman at the well. This, this story has always intrigued me deeply, and I've never preached this sermon before. God's been burdening this thing in my heart for weeks. And he said, this is to be delivered at Calvary. I said, okay, God, thanks. It's always easier when he says, you can preach that one. Oh, yeah, I got that one on file. But it was like, no, I want you to deliver this word. Okay? So we pick up in John chapter 4 and verse 3. And he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, I want you to know that journey didn't, that normal journey didn't go through Samaria. But Jesus never did anything by mistake. Come on, is everybody with me? He was led of the Father. And he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob uh, gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, now wearied by his journey, 
sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away, where? Into that city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then are you going to get this living water? And, you know, she's smarter than that, right? She was in the natural. He was totally in the realm of the spirit. And she's like, wait a minute, no bucket. You know, is this a con job? Are you trying to come on to me? You know, come on. Are you with me? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, I want this water that I may not thirst and I don't have to come here to draw water. You see, she was there around noon because she couldn't come when the rest of the Jewish women were coming to the well. They were greatly despised and were equated with dogs. Is everybody with me? And he says to her, uh, and so the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. I may not thirst. And he says to her, oh, call your husband and come here. I love the setups of Jesus, don't you? It's like he knows all. But he says, why don't you go call your husband? You know what he really wanted to know? Are you going to come clean right now? Come on, that's really, are you going to come clean? And, and he says, I have no husband. And he said, okay, you've said that right. You have no husband. In fact, let's just say it. You've had five husbands. And the one you're now with is not even your husband. In that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Can I pause there for a moment? The, the fight over worship isn't new. Isn't that interesting? The first thing she went into is let's talk about which mountain we're supposed to worship on. And, and it's really interesting. It seems like sometimes the greatest fight can be in the realm of worship. And, and, and isn't it interesting? As soon as we start putting our preferences into worship, we've made worship about us and not about him. A little weak, amen. I'll pause for a moment for a little stronger, amen. Now, 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 how many would say, bring on the Gaithers and I can worship God? Do I have a few friends? Come on, right? Come on, right? And how many say, well, if we can go to Hillsong, I can worship God. But how many would say, no, can we just go back to the hymns and sing power in the blood and I'm good, right? Come on, are you with me? How many would know we all have our personal preferences? Come on, we all, I can worship God with bluegrass. Anybody in the house say, that's my preference. I like bluegrass, right? Right? I, we have a pastor that uh, had a pastor. He just actually just graduated to glory over the last year, a dear friend. And he had won some Dove Awards with his banjo. And, uh, man, he could sing and play. When I was in his church, man, I would worship with bluegrass. I, I, I've, been, I've been in some youth services where I was learning how to really worship with all of my heart uh, with modern music. Anybody else with me? Come on. So you want to talk about my preferences, we all have them. But how many know worship's not about us? Can I just go there for a moment? So if I can't engage in worship, regardless of the genre, come on, then I've made it about me and not about him. And that wasn't new. That's the same thing she was doing. Let's argue about worship. Now we continue. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you'll neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the father. And he goes, he goes on to say, you worship what you do not know. 
We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Come on, engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth, right? Are you seeing that? For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know the Messiah is coming. I find that intriguing from a Samaritan woman who knew the Scriptures. He who is called Christ, when He comes, He'll tell us all things. And this just blows my mind. We find in many places in Scripture where Jesus tells the disciples, don't tell anybody who I am. Right? Come on. Right? Right? And he didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't get in front of the Jews. Come on. He didn't go in front of the the councils. He didn't go in front of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He finds himself alone at a well with a Samaritan woman who was not good at relationships. Is that fair? That would be the PC version, right? The politically correct way to say it. And, And he says to her, I who speak to you am he. The first time Jesus revealed who he was was at a well with a Samaritan woman. And he spoke plainly, I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I don't know if that intrigues you, but that really intrigues me. Now, listen, at that point, the disciples came and they mar- they're blown away. You know, isn't it amazing how much we get stuck in culture and we call it spiritual? C- come on. Are you, are you with me? Isn't it amazing? They're like, what? You're talking to a Samaritan? See, Jesus came to wreck the rules. By the way, Jesus was a rebel of sorts. Come on. He was a rebel right out of heaven to say, you guys have put too many lines, too much stuff here. We're going to fix this. Oh, we're not supposed to touch dead people. No, I'm going to touch dead people. Come on. And, and, and what's going to happen is I'm not going to get unclean. They're going to become clean. Are you with me? Right? I'm going to show up and I'm going to change things and I, I'm going to set things in the right order the way God intended them to be all along. Disciples show up and I love the fact that the disciples rarely got it. They didn't get it here. I'm not going to ask you anything, but man, Jesus, you, you, you just did something that Moses' law says is illegal. Come on. You're not supposed to be talking to them Samaritan people. They, they're just a step above a dog, right? Come on. Are you with me? But, and they're marveling. They don't say anything. And um, they didn't say, why do you seek? Or, or why are you talking with her? And the woman left her water pot. She forgot what she was there for, ran back to the city, said to the man, the men, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now, really, really grab that. We're going to come back there in a little bit. In the meantime, his disciple urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Come on, Jesus, eat. Now, now, this is my key verse, 32. And he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. My title today is, Am I Being Fed? Therefore, the disciples said one to another, Has anyone brought something to, it, to him to eat? Isn't that interesting? And then Jesus went on to say, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Isn't that a powerful story? I love the story. I love the fact that Jesus reveals himself to a Samaritan woman. Come on. Pretty powerful thing. I love the fact that he challenges her right where she is. Now, we used to say, you know, we say she's, she wasn't good at relationships, but, but uh, recently I, I come to find out that it was illegal for a woman to file for divorce in the Samaritan culture. So more than likely, this woman wasn't the one that divorced her men. Those men divorced that woman. And one of the primary causes for divorce in, the, in that era was barrenness. So maybe, full well, we're dealing with a woman, not that was discarded five times, 
I mean, that discarded men five times, but was discarded five times. And so now she's much lower than normal Samaritans, gave up on marriage and is now living with a guy. Come on. Likely is barren. A woman who has literally no hope, but believes in the coming of the Messiah. Come on. Are you with me? And Jesus makes the statement here in all of this. The disciples have gone to get food, right? Uh, More than likely on the way into Samaria, they passed her coming out of Samaria for water. Isn't that interesting? And, 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 and they did see what you see determines what you do. Your perspective determines what you see. From my perspective, I'm a little above you today. Please don't misunderstand it that I'm looking down on you. Come on. But how many know I have a different perspective? I can tell who's paying attention and who is it, who's nodding off and who's on their phone and who's, come on, right? And who's taking notes? No, I'm not on my phone, Pastor. I'm taking notes, really. Come on. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. And you have a different perspective. You can look up here and say, man, one of his buttons isn't, un, you know, undone. Man, he's got older since the last time I saw him, right? He's lost a little more hair, right? Come on. Are you with me? Come on. What we see will often determine what we do. Now, the interesting thing is, Jesus makes a statement here. We talk about being fed. It is amazing today in the culture in America. Can we talk? Is people come to church to get fed. Come on, right? Right? I, I want to be fed. I'm ready for the word, right? I want to be fed. But, the, but you know, it was a glorious day when my children learned to feed themselves. Come on, ladies. Come on, guys. Right. Whoa. They learned. I mean, it was a mess. Of that. It was a mess. We cleaned up that mess because they learned how to get it close to their mouth. Come on. Are you with me? Right. Right. And they started learning how to be fed. Are you with me? And so the interesting thing is we think we're fed by what we get. But Jesus makes a statement here. I have food to eat that you don't know about yet. And they're like, food, food, who, who ran the Taco Bell for him? Come on, right? I mean, come on, who brought him food? I mean, we're looking around, there's no wrappers, come on, right? You know, there's no sack lunch left, you know, that's like, what food? See, see, the thing is, isn't it interesting? In, in, in humanity, we're in the natural world, in the five senses. And can I, let, understand, everything you can see, everything you can touch with your five senses is temporary. Everything. In the neighborhood we presently live in, in in a development they've they've got back and they're just building. There's like uh, must be uh, eight or ten homes going up in this one little area block. And I walk by it. It's my prayer walk in the morning. And when I walk by it, I'm always reminded by the Lord. They're putting the roof on that one. They're getting ready to dry it in. But that building is temporary. Come on. And isn't it interesting that if we're not careful, we put all of our roots in everything that's temporary. Your condition right now is temporary. Come on. Your financial condition right now, it's temporary. Come on. This weather, thank God, is temporary. Come on. Are you with me? Right? It's going to change, we hope. It's going to change for me quicker than you. Because on Wednesday night, pretty late, I get home. Okay. Are you with me? And, and in the north, it was 54 degrees when I left yesterday. I'd... Please love me. Come on. Come on. Quit looking at me. Yeah. yeah look. Somebody rose a Bible up throw it at me just now. Come on. Come on. Are you with me? Get this. Get this. You, everything going on around us is temporary, but we often, when we're not in the spirit realm, we see things temporary, we respond temporary, and wonder why things aren't happening right in the kingdom. Come on, are you with me? Come on, right? right? I, somebody does something and I get offended, that's in the natural, man. Whatever happened with that was a temporary thing that I never should have responded to in the first place, right? Come on. When the disciples show up, they saw a Samaritan woman. Come on. A woman and a Samaritan. 
Jesus didn't see a woman as Samaritan. Jesus saw a soul who was thirsty for the kingdom of heaven. Come on, are you with me? And what he saw was a different thing. And that which was in him came out of him, just like it happened when the woman who touched the hem of his garment, there was virtue that came out of him and healed her. There was something that came out of him with his voice, with his heart, with his love that changed that woman. Listen, the disciples went into the city and came back out and nobody followed them. That woman went into the city and came back out and the whole city followed her. One encounter with Jesus will change everything around us. One encounter. And that's what happened with her. And it happened with her getting real. She, you know, I can stand and sing songs. doesn't mean I'm worshiping. I can sing songs about I surrender all and still leave with all my baggage. Come on. I can sing about that, but if I'm not tithing, I'm not in alignment. If I can't let go of 10%, I didn't surrender all. Come on. If I can't trust God in my situation and I'm, and I'm fretting and worrying all night long, all wrapped up because of what's going on in the natural around me, I'm not surrendering all. Now, how many know that's hard sometimes? It's easier to preach about. Come on. But the reality is, she came there and says, you're right. My life's a mess. I gave up on marriage. I'm shacked up with a guy. Yeah, you're right. But I love this. Gee, listen, the church... He never, it blows my mind. He never condemned her. He tells her, you're right. You've tried this thing five times and failed. Now you're living with a guy. She's so excited about the news. She runs home and tells everybody. It's the, come on. How many know it's the way you say things? Hmm? I can look at my wife and say, hey baby, when I look at you, time stands still. Or I can look at her and say, your face could stop a clock. <laughs> How many know it's all about the way it's said? But you see, what Jesus saw, he spoke to a spirit that was thirsty. She came for natural water. She walks away with a revelation that this is the Christ that we've sought for. Now, I want to go somewhere with this because I want to talk about the food. You see, I'm not fed by what I get. In the natural, I'm fed by what I get. Come on. But I'm fed by what I give. The Scripture said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to... Right, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So if in my mentality, and I think this is America's church overall, arching church culture, is we've moved into an attendance feed me culture. I'm going to go to church. Right? See, the enemy is into reduction. God is into expansion. Is everybody with me? Right? He said it's the upward call of God. God wants more for you. But not so you can consume it upon yourself. If you will let go of what you have, God can give you more. Come on, you're not a retention pond. You're a channel, a vessel that God wants to flow. Come on, are you with me? That He can flow through. So if I'm thinking about feed me as what I get, what I get, what I get. No, 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 no. A sermon won't change us. Our obedience to the message will change us. Come on, are you with me? Our obedience to the word causes that to happen. It's like uh, a pastor said this morning in class when he was talking about what gives him joy. He said, when my, when my grandsons take down a buck, he said, that gives me great joy. Well, he didn't kill a buck, but he got to see it happen with his grandsons. Hopefully, did you get a buck last year? Oh, you didn't. God, God bless him. Come on, I'm glad you can still smile, okay? Come see me and I'll show you a mule deer, okay? And uh, we'll do all right. But here, here's the deal. 
How many know when what's in you comes out of you? See, Jesus said the river is going to flow from the inside out. John chapter 7. Is everybody with me? You have purpose that is beyond what you're experiencing today. God's plan was not for us just to come to church and to receive, but to live life as a giver of the kingdom of God. Somebody with me? I'm completely left my notes. But let me, let me, let me. Are we doing okay? Okay, listen to this. In the first miracle in the Cana of Galilee in John chapter 2, um, the first miracle, his mother, Jesus' mother, did, paid no attention to what he said. Woman, my hour has not come yet. And she said, I ain't paying no time. Mind you, you don't know what you're talking about. I can't imagine. Only his mother could say that to Jesus. I mean, come on, right? You know? And, and she tells the servants what? Whatever he says to you, what? Whatever he says to you, right? Right? Whatever he says to you, do it. And because of that simple statement, and the servants drew the water, put it in the barrels, drew it out of the barrels, took it to the head of the, of the wedding feast, and they said, this is the best wine in the house. Why did you save the best for last? That miracle took place through simple obedience. You see, the enemy wants to reduce our Christian life to a day, a building, and a time frame. Do you know why the Corinthians were so messed up? They tried to operate all the gifts in the context of a church service. That gift in you works better at Walmart and Dollar General than it does at Calvary. I can't find in Scripture where Jesus was busy doing miracles in the synagogue. I can't find in Scripture where these things were... Listen, it happens on the streets. The church is not about a building. Right? Right? In, in, in Matthew 16, the revelation of the church, the ecclesia, the called out group, is, is a three-part message there, or a three-part uh, picture of the church called out from. How many know you can stand up and say, I want to thank God that he saved me from? How many know what you were saved from? Anybody got something you were saved from? Okay, how many know who you were saved to? You were saved to be family. You just came into a brand new family, right? Thank God for this family. If you need a loan, they're good for it. Okay, they'll take care of you, right? Because we're family, right? Come on. But how many know we're not only saved from something and to something, but we're saved for something and for something is a purpose. That out of my innermost being need to flow rivers of living water, but that only happens through my obedience. That's what feeds me. Come on. I, I was with a couple. I walked in earlier. I'm sorry, I forgot your names already. It's totally. But I, I was walking by. They said, hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. I said, can I talk to you? From the last time you were here, you prophesied over us. Can I show you the results? And they start opening up their phone and they start saying, you shared a word with us. Let me show you. And I'm just like, do you know what? I already had breakfast at the hotel, but I was like eating all over again right there. I, was like, I can go home right now. Why? Why? Because something great has happened in their lives that came out of the heaven, that came out of me. And I don't remember even what I said, but God got the glory. Come on. Are you with me today? And you see, I, 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 I just need to leave my notes, I guess. Listen, listen, listen. I know I'm standing on a platform so you can see me. But the reality is, we are members one of another. It's not these anointed pastors that have a corner on the market. Please hear this. You see, it's nothing new. In the Old Testament, when God said to Moses, come up on the mountain and bring the children of Israel with you, right? You doing okay with me down here? Some of you are rubbernecking, all right? Some of you are saying, man, that's easier on the eye. Stay right down there. Okay, listen. The, the, the reality is, he wanted all of them to go up on the mountain. 
Why? 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 Because he called them kings and priests. He said, you will be a kingdom of priests to me. That same river that was in Jesus is in you. Is in you. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor, what I've been through. He just spoke it over a woman at the well. Come on. You, you see, here's one of the most debilitating of human tendencies. And that's to become more aware of what you're not than what you are in Christ. Come on. In fact, here's what I'm convinced of. I am totally convinced that the devil doesn't beat us up. I am convinced that he hands us the hammer. And I really believe most of the time... Come on. How many would remember right now your last failure? Would you just take a moment and be honest in the house with me and lift your hand and say, yeah, I blew it? Come on. Come on. Yeah. See, look around the room for just a minute. You're among failures, right? Come on. We're among people. I'm going to rephrase that, okay? Listen. I'm among... We're among people who fail. And I am a failure on the best day without Jesus. And if I want to start remembering behind me, I lose the flow in front of me. Because I'll miss the opportunity to say, hey, Freddie, this is what God said. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, we move into clergy and laity right about there. We say, yeah, yeah, but you're a pastor. Do you know how long you've been doing this? No, there's really a danger in that. God moves more beautifully, I think, when when we're new into something. Come on. Because we've got to totally trust God with it, right? Am I making sense to somebody? You see, we're the church. The church makes it hard to go to hell in Corsicana. Come on. Because I'm not so busy trying to get my items at Walmart that I miss what the Spirit is saying about that checker over there that's contemplating taking their life. Come on, are somebody with me? There was one moment in the prophetic where God peeled back the natural covers of the senses and looked into that woman's life and said, she's hungry, she's looking for the Messiah, and she needs help. Yeah. Boom, one word. One word. A word fitly, and it's in you. Listen to me today. It's in you. It's in you, and you're fed by what you distribute, by not by what you get. I didn't, God didn't save me to go to church. God saved me to be the church. God saved me to be someone who is so full of the love of God and the passion of God that I'll step outside myself. I'll be willing to embarrass myself. I'll be willing to step out beyond what I think is comfortable to touch another life for the glory of God. God didn't give you that job so you could make money. God gave you that job to touch other lives. The money is just a bonus. You see, if we, if, if we let the enemy reduce our lives to the five senses and we get into what America says, hey, the American dream. Well, you know the American dream is not. The American dream is a nightmare. I know millionaires that are so miserable I'm trying to help them get happier by giving it away to me. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. So it's not about me hoarding things or or having an experience in the church. In fact, the the Bible doesn't tell me that God rejoices because we have a powerhouse packed service. The Bible says God rejoices when one who is lost comes to know the Lord. What if we were destined by God to impact a life every day? What if? Because Jesus always mirrored and modeled what he wanted us to do. Because what did he say in Scripture? He said, the things that I do, shall you do. And what? Greater things. 
Great. I can do great. That's almost like sacrilegious statement. What? We can do greater things than Jesus? Sure enough. I got on Twitter this morning. Pastor Gary told a joke. And that joke went zoom. Out into Twitter land, which went to Facebook land and already had a lot of emoji ha-ha-has. People loved Pastor Gary's joke. So we're in Corsicana, and I'm pretty sure Pastor Gary's not on Twitter. Come on. Boom. And it's out there. Oh, man. Can I just keep going? Listen. Listen. There is a river of God in you. And God never meant for us to be satisfied by going to church. There's more. I wish I could just pull every church in America together and say, listen to me, quit just going to church. You're living below the line that Jesus paid for. But you don't understand. I get all members cool. You you know, here's the deal. I've totally left my notes now. We're just messed up. Can I, will you join me? Will you come up and join me right up here? Tanner, will you come and join me? You see, the human center, this is your pastor, Now I've got to respect him, okay? All right, listen, this is the, 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 human, the human center, okay, is ourselves. Did you know that? How many know, you, how many know honestly you're self-centered? Put your hand up. Okay, Josh, thanks. We've got a youth director finally. Come on, come on. How many know? How many wives say, man, when I married him, he was so self-centered? Come on, right, right, come on. Come on. How many know the human, the human center is self? Right? You're pretty comfortable right there. Now, now, Tanner, I'm going to have you turn sideways. Come stand behind Dad. Just safe. Do you trust him? Yes. Okay. You sure? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I am. <laughs> so, now, I want you to see something because, you see, we think God saved us to be comfortable. Wrong. Wrong. God saved you to go to heaven and to take people to heaven on the way. I get nervous when I get comfortable. Pastor was talking about his first sermon this morning. 24 pages of notes and he preached eight minutes. And, 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 and probably a little bit nervous. I remember my first sermon. I thought it was all that, man. And I was ready to go, man. I was a powerhouse. I was so nervous. I got up and it just ran off the pulpit in a little puddle right there. You know what I'm saying? I was done in probably five minutes, you know. And, but, but how many know we had to go do that? But how many know that's not it? God's, listen, God's always wanting to pull you off you and into him. Because everything's in Christ. So, so pastor's standing here and he's comfortable. But I'm going to ask you a question. Are you comfortable right here? Not so much. <laughs> See? <laughs> you got him? See? Jesus is never going to let us fall. Bring him right down back up. See, listen. You say, well, how much can I do for God right here? Oh, you can do a lot of things, but what about right here? Well, I'm going to have you tithe. Well, what? Oh, tithe. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, hang out right there. Hang out right there. Well, and you know, I'm going to have you be baptized. Hang out right there. Okay, I'm going to have you be a teacher. Right? Am I right? Is that, I like telling them the truth. See, listen, but what are you, what's the most comfortable? Right here. Would you quit dropping me into my son, right? Which you're Jesus right now. So, okay. But how many know, listen, when God asks us to do something, we don't have to worry about the results. All we got to do is be obedient because this side of heaven, we're never going to know all the results. But if we can't, listen... If we're not living on the cutting edge of what God's doing, we're taking up too much room. Come on. Right? 
Christ. Right. And so the reality is this right here. And how many know as a pastor, you're living right about here all the time. Mm-hmm. How many would know that's the truth? Right. He said, well, yeah, but he's our pastor. No, no. A kingdom of priests. Hey, Pastor Michael, go to heaven and, 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 and find out what God has for us. Come on. Climb up on the mountain and bring the word on Sunday. No, that's not the order of the church. We are a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a men and women that are a priesthood unto God. Right? And it's in you. And so every time you get here, you get fed. Come on, right? Jesus, listen. If, can you imagine what would have happened if the scribes and Pharisees were hanging out at the well when he starts talking to this woman? Paul got stoned because he said, we don't have to circumcise people. And we laugh about that today. Most of us would have voted for it when we were seven days old, right? I have a new grandson just got circumcised uh, Friday. He had no choice in the matter. God help him, right? Come on, are you with me? And, and the reality was... You've got to be willing to be indicted to be different than our culture. You've got to be willing to be misunderstood. I've lived my life where I've been so misunderstood at times. I was in a community where pastors didn't understand me, but it was okay. Most days I didn't understand me, so it's okay. But I knew there was more. My heart cries for more. God, there's got to be more. We're not to just go to church. I don't measure the health of the church by how many people are here, how many people are serving, or how much money we have. I measure the health of the church by the condition of my city. Does the city... No. Is the city being impacted? Am I touching lives? Oh, man, I could just keep preaching. See... We get to a place to where we're comfortable. You okay standing here? We get, how many know we get there? There's 40 years in the wilderness, and they're coming into the promised land, right? They already got talked out of the promised land once, right? Is everybody with me? Now, they're coming back in 40 years later. Gad, Reuben, and a half a tribe of Manasseh, one quarter, if you will. I don't know what the actual numbers were, but something like that, of the 12 tribes. Okay? So, two and a half tribes. Settle, say they come to Gilead, which is a land that beautiful cattle land, and they're getting ready to slope off into the Jordan River and cross into the promised land, and they voted to stay in Gilead. Do you know why? It was a comfortable place. They were cattlemen, and there was cattle, land. There was a great place to feed their cattle. The tendency, the human tendency, is to settle short of everything God has for us. Are you with us? And it's no different today. In fact, can I tell you how to die? How many would like to know how, how Christians ought to die? Well, I'm not really interested in that subject, Dwayne. <laughs> Come on, right? Well, let me give you good news. We're all going to die. It is an appointment, right? Yeah. Let me tell you the only way, biblically, you're supposed to die. Empty. Having fulfilled everything that God has written on your heart to do. And our tendency, I totally left my notes. Our tendency is this. God does something great in us and... We, we tend to put our identity in that. I preached a couple times. God started anointing me. I became the youth pastor. Kind of grabbed onto that. 19 years old, I'm the youth pastor. I didn't have, have a clue what I was doing. Come on. Freddie, you got a better chance than me, man. Come on. Uh, and then I, things started to happen. And then all of a sudden, God said, no, I, I, want you, I, want, I, want you to do, I want you to do this. How many know I had to give myself away? How many? Surrender all. Come on, come on. 
Because what oh, we're often holding on to is holding us back. And God said, I'm going to take you to another place where you're not comfortable. Come on. Hey, God, I like Gilead. Right? Right? Gilead. <laughs> Promised land. <laughs> Gilead. <laughs> Promised land. Come on. Is everybody with me? Right? See, God works best with you on a till. Where's, where's those hands? How many know there's more? How many know there's more? See, God wants to activate. There's, some, there's something happening. There's been a prayer going on in this house. There's been some people that have been crying out exactly what I'm saying right now. Is that right? There's been a cry. Listen, there is a change of the wind in this house because God has heard the prayers. That's why he's brought this message and just welded it in my heart. Hear what I'm saying today. Some of you, you've disqualified yourself, wrote yourself off as I'll never get there. And God wants to say something to you today. Rise up and start doing what he's asking you to do. It doesn't have to be big. Most of the miracles, come on, most of those things aren't big and aren't noticed. The scripture says that the, that, the, that the world could not tame the books that could be read of what the saints were doing. Come on, are you with me today? And so it's not just about going to church. I get fed by what I do. I get fed by what I give. Well, I don't know how to prophesy. I'm not talking, quit trying to label what it is and just obey God. I mean, you might pull up in front of Sonic and God says, pay for the one behind you. And if I'm behind you, please obey. (laughs) Come on. Okay, but the reality is this. Or it may be simply, but if it's just a natural exchange, I'm just giving her my card. Come on. Or him. And I'm paying. No, no, you didn't pull up to Sonic to get a cold drink on a hot day. There is purpose in your steps. And if you just function based on the five senses you have, you will miss those spiritual appointments that God has for you. And if you're more comfortable here, right, here, and, well, God, I just, uh, I just want to go to church. No, no, no. How many, how many would say, I want to be the church? Absolutely. I mean, I want to be yes, the church. Oh, man, there's so much in my heart. You see, God uses me best right here. You know, I was... Right? I was in this building eight, nine years ago. I'd resigned our church, my life, moved away from our children. I wasn't here, and I wasn't here. I was right here when I got here. Is everybody with me? That's where I was at. And you know what? There were moments and there were days. It's like, wow, God, I don't know what in the world is going to go on, but all I'm going to do is obey you. A little over a year ago, it happened again. Ten years as bishop. That's where I was comfortable. I had, I had an income and I had a salary. It's good. God said, let it go. Come on, God. God loves that Frozen song. <laughs> Am I telling you the truth? <laughs> At least for me. So, so the reality is, and, and it's one more step. And it's, and it's just one more. Come on. Are you, am I making sense to you? And every time it was beyond me. I, I stand before you today. My wife and I fully into something God has put on our hearts. And, and she looked at me this last week and she said, this is the furthest we've ever been. I said, oh yeah, I can't even see the boat and I can't see the shore. Anybody ever, ever felt like that? But there's something amazing that happens when you're there. That means you're all in. Listen, for some of you, quit tipping God and start tithing. You can't tell me you trust God to put your name in heaven when you can't trust God with 10% of what He gave you on earth. Is that Okay. Listen, I've never done that before. Really, really cool. Do it. 
Just do it. Whatever God's asking you to do, pay attention to the Spirit. There is a wellspring of life wanting to come out of you. And if you will lose yourself, come on, and not matter what people think. That's the thing. We so often get concerned. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? Listen, if, if you're not doing something with God, giving people an option to talk about you, then, man, what are you doing? You've got to be okay with that. Thank you, guys. Will you give them a hand? Thanks, man. Good to see you. We're supposed to be done here shortly, aren't we? Okay, I've got to wrap it up. Listen, here's the problem. The scripture, the scripture tells us that we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. That everything we do, we live and we move, all of our being is in Christ. Everybody with me? But we have an ability to remember what was and how we failed. If you were to ask me to measure my life and the times I've missed it versus the times I've hit it, I would have to tell you, I feel like sometimes I've just missed God. Anybody else ever missed God, done things wrong? See, so I want to make sure I'm among friends, right, right, right? But we don't measure ourselves based on the past. I measure myself in Christ. Is everybody with me? And so the scripture says, and I, I've really messed you guys up back there, haven't I? Take me down to, the, I think, the very last verse. And I'll try to wrap it up here. Is everybody doing all right? Okay. You see, two things. In Exodus... He said, I'll give you the land a little at a time so that the land won't become desolate, right? I'll give you the land, but who, who fought for it? Come on. Israel fought for it. Israel had to fight for it. He said, I'm going to give, you, give it to you a little at a time so the land won't become desolate. Did you know, I found that years ago, that if I gave my children everything, it's the same as abusing them because I'm not preparing them for the real world. Is everybody with me? And I have grandchildren, it's still the same thing. There's sometimes it's good for them to do without or sometimes it's good for them to struggle and figure it out. Is everybody with me? Okay, right? And it's the same way it is with God. God says, you're going to fight a battle and you're going to take land. And then I'm going to have you take on the next battle. And there's no formula in Scripture. Walk around Jericho. Come on, right? Right? Every battle was designed with specific directions from God. So I don't look at how Pastor Michael leads the church and say, okay, that's how to do it. How many know that's what God gave you instructions for? Right? And so I can't compare myself with others. I just got to move in obedience. Is everybody with me? Right? And every time I get more land, and that's the upward call of God. Right? Like I shouldn't settle for tithe. I've read great stories of people that moved to the point that they were giving God 90%, and God just kept blessing them. Come on, somebody with me. Right? I don't draw a box and say, I'm now I'm comfortable, I'm here. Comfort is not our friend. But he said, little by little, and you'll take it on. Now, Jesus makes a statement. In John chapter 4, I think, verse 35, somewhere right in there, he said, lift up your eyes and see the fields. He said, the world would say in the natural, four months and then the harvest. But lift up your eyes and see the fields. They're white already in the harvest. Okay? Here's something that really hit me. Guess who was coming out of the Samaritan city? All the people. He wasn't looking at just a crop. The people were arriving. And he was saying, this is what it's about. For the church, when it quits becoming about reaching people for Jesus, the church no longer has a reason to exist. So is everybody with me? Is, that all right? is this too hard on Sunday morning? You, you just know that your stomach's saying it's time for pizza, right? Here's the thing. When he, he said, lift up your head, here come the people. Do you guys see? One, listen, one word. One word. To a woman at the well, unlock the city. 
One touch. I was in a service when I was a youth director. And we're, I mean, we're the power of God. I mean, we're praying for people. And I saw a guy come in the back door that I didn't know. I saw the pastor move to the back, have a conversation with a guy, brought the guy to the front and gave his heart to Jesus. Blew my mind. And he said, that guy was on his way to kill his wife who left him and then kill himself. And something pulled him into the parking lot. And when he walked to the back door, God said two words to the pastor, a gun. That's all he said, a gun. And he said, I knew something was wrong. And by just simply being led of the Spirit, he went back, he knew the guy, the guy was a business owner, instead of the guy ending his life because he was sensitive to what the Spirit was saying. Hear me, okay? Because he was sensitive to what the Spirit was saying, the guy, instead of ending his life, committed his life to Christ, come on, became a believer and settled into that church. You go, wow, that's in you. That pastor's not, come on, it's in you. It's in you. It's that place of being in the realm of the Spirit and saying, okay, God, what, what, I'm in Christ. Everything is in Christ. I'm not seeing in the natural. I want to be fed by what I'm touching others with the river of life that is in me. Amen? That makes sense to somebody. Now, when we fail to do that, we've got to get back up. You're not a failure. You fail. There's a difference between owning that identity. See, the enemy wants you to become more aware of what you aren't to diminish the capacity of who you can be. There can be future millionaires in this room today if you would just believe more about what God wants to do through you. Tanner, there is a prophetic anointing coming on your life over the next year. You will preach... And you will teach. But I was sitting in worship and I heard the Lord say, there's a prophetic anointing coming over you. Get away from the script and the words on the page in those moments because God's going to use you to break open lives with a prophetic word. Come on. Amen? Amen. You see? Listen. It's all over this room. It how many know it doesn't matter? I don't care how many times you've been married. I don't care how broke you've been. Come on. I don't care what the doctor's diagnosis is. I don't care how old you are. Come on. I'm talking about what gender you are. The spirit of the living God lives in you. Don't send somebody else to the mountain for you. Okay. I got to close. I, I, I didn't even come close to touching my notes. So I hope this is making some kind of sense. Are we ready? Did you guys come and play for me for just a moment? Would you stand with me? I know it's just afternoon. Thank you for giving me your time today. Um, I have meat. To eat that you don't know of. So, can I pray for you today? Before I do, can we just take a moment and you might lift a hand and say, Hey, Dwayne, I want that river to flow out of me daily and I want to be aware of people that I can touch for the kingdom. Can I see hands all over the building? Listen. You know, can I tell you what my daily prayer is? I'm going to pray for you. My daily prayer is, God, let me see people like you see them. And let me love them like you love them. You know, there's so much hate and discontent and division today in America. What a prime opportunity for the love of God to be touching lives all around us. I watch hands all over this building raised. I believe there is a shift of the wind. 
in this house. I believe God is starting to answer prayers. And there is an igniting of things happening in this house. So would you take your neighbor by the hand? If you're close enough to take somebody by the hand, would you do that? And can we pray as one church? Father, God, I thank you for the men and women of the house. God, I thank you that there's a river of life in every one of us. I thank you that even now you're breaking off the feelings of failure, of the not good enough, even some that have been through very abusive situations, and you're raising them up as men and women of God. Father, I thank you even now that you're opening our eyes. It's God as if it's Elijah, as if, as if Elisha is praying for his servants. That open his eyes and let him really see what's going on. And for, I pray, Father, that we will begin to see in the realm beyond our five senses in our daily life that God, we will not be reduced and and and, and squeezed into the cultural mode of of physical substance. I pray, Father, that you would lead us by your Spirit to touch hungry hurting and lost lives. I pray, Father, that our life changes and we let the gifts flow out of us, not just in the context of a day or a building or a time frame, but that, God, we become your church flowing with the river of life that flew from Emmanuel's veins. I pray, Father, that we begin to touch lives and lives begin to be stirred to know you and we get fed and matured. In the process, I pray your blessing upon Calvary. God, I pray your blessing upon uh, Michael and Melissa in the house that your anointing rests upon the pastoral staff. I pray, Father God, that you will use this. God, you will continue to increase us as we move in simple, humble obedience to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.